Welcome, Black Equity listeners. We are fresh off of our virtual conference with Epic Collective about how to build an empire. Thank you for everyone who took the time out to enjoy the information, to pick up the wisdom. Thank you so much for all of our supporters. Uh, We appreciate each and every one of you. And to continue the dialogue, we're actually bringing on one of the moderators from our panel about business fundamentals. I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, Me and this guest, we've been collaborating for quite some time. And so we want to uh, present this episode to you uh, fresh off the cutting room floor. Uh, We're going to get into some topics about, you know, things that are trending Uh, Will and Jada are in the news. We have uh, conversations about Netflix sending money uh, to black banks. We're also talking about uh, what's currently going on in the culture. And of course, as you can see by the title, why do people keep turning down black podcasts? Uh, We're going to get into that topic because I think you're missing an opportunity. So without further ado, You know what time it is. I'm DJ Motri of Black Equity Network, and welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I am excited about this conversation. Uh, Me and this guest have uh, been collaborating for quite some time now. Uh, We haven't had an opportunity to feature Rach the Gem and the Melanin Boulevard podcast on Black Equity Podcast. And I think now is that time to uh, have a conversation. So I believe that uh, the best thing to do is let, allow someone to introduce themselves. So Rach the Gem, uh, welcome to Black Equity. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, so um, I'm Rach Gem. I'm a mom, uh, entrepreneur, have a lot of hats. Um, I have three girls and um being the host of Melanin Boulevard means a lot because it gives me the opportunity to shine light on Black people, um, all Black people. Um, so 
kind of like we spoke last week on um, the episode you had with me was giving people the opportunity to speak their truth without judgment uh, is very important to me because there's not a lot of places where we can do that. Um, speaking their point of view, speaking about their experiences, debunking what people think is a typical Black person. And this podcast isn't for anyone outside of Black people, but I need to show us that there are so many varieties of who we are and um, give people the opportunity to show that and tell their story without feeling fear of being judged. I like that. Truth without judgment. I think that's a really great foundation to build this conversation off of. What, What was happening in your world when you first decided to launch Melanin Boulevard podcast where you felt there needed to be truth without judgment? Melanin Boulevard evolved, actually. I knew I wanted to have a podcast because I knew I had something to say. And I always have been someone who was very active in learning about Black history, you know, the truth of what really happened, um, smashing the, you know, the, the slaved Black person as our history. That's not our only history. We were so many things before that, so many things after and even during that. Um, during slavery, there was Black people throughout the rest of the world, and we've been around for eons. So I knew that I wanted to have a podcast, and I, I didn't know kind of where to start. And so for me, I needed a name. Uh, so I used to, I was working late one night, and then that name came to me, Melanin Boulevard. Um, so I just built off of that thought. It's all black, my favorite thing. Um, and having, I started with a co-host and initially when Melanie Boulevard began, I really touched on topics that I felt were like taboo. So we built, we um, started building the idea of Melanie Boulevard behind topics that people don't normally want to talk about. Um, Who are some of those topics that um we spoke about oh my gosh it was so long ago um (laughs) how college isn't for everybody Mm -hmm. Uh, we spoke about depression in the black community um so things like that things that we um things that we don't really like to talk about um of course race and um i had someone come on that's raising you know, a son that is half black, how, you know, how that is and um, supporting and giving praises to those that are single fathers um, because uh, too many times people are bashing black men and there's great black men out there. Uh, there's a lot of black single fathers and I know, I know some personally and they're amazing and, and they don't have sons, they have daughters. And to see that and to see their children blossom um, is amazing. And it shows you that that narrative is not true. So that was my, my goal is to, you know, what have we been being told about ourselves 
and that it's not true. So what do I need to do to shine light on that and tell my people who they really are? So from having that get uh, that co-host and allowing, you know, that to blossom, they didn't stick around. Um, and so from there, I had to really find myself in this podcast had to figure out how am I going to make this thing work because it was it was my podcast it was anyone else's so it's only my responsibility and my duty to continue that it was a dream and a goal that I that was placed on me so I had to make it happen and so um really probably last year is when I really began to find myself in Melanin Boulevard this last year has been been amazing for Melanin Boulevard. Um, a lot of growth, a lot of connections. Um, you know, I tried to do one season with no guests and just me, and I hated it. I don't like to talk to myself. It makes me super nervous just to like be me and like just talk. I have to like interact with mm-hmm. someone. Um, but last year, um, I recorded a uh, the, that season, June 1st, which is my birthday in Philadelphia. And I kicked off Melanin Boulevard and, and I said, I'm going to have a guest every week. I didn't know how I was going to do it, <laughs> you know, but it happened. And people started to reach out to me that I wouldn't have thought in a million years that they would even have found me or, or anything, you know. So from there, it gave me the opportunity not only to talk about the taboo subjects, but to really put a face to those issues and to also give people a different view of what Blackness is. It's so many things. And so my, my goal is to just show how many sides of us that there are. We have so many sides. Um, there's so many elements to what Black is, not your typical Black person that you see in media and although we know black people personally media has affected the way that we view ourselves so my goal is to just smash that you talked about taboo i, I know we talked uh before um and i was saying that a lot of your topics the word i use was like an alternative but i like taboo better so i'm glad you mentioned the word taboo because what i've noticed is a lot of content out there in black podcast world, black media, it's all kind of a remix of itself. You know, it's, you know, one person does something, 20 other people do that. And mm-hmm. so then you have the same guest who goes on all these different platforms and basically has the exact same conversation. And to me, that's when things get uh, stifled and there's no elevation what I love about your podcast and now that I can adopt that word taboo is, Ooh, we're about to get into something that most people are not going to talk about. And then uh, we're going to come from an, an angle of a black perspective, mm-hmm. which is going to be awesome. Uh, and you're going to ask questions that most people may be afraid to ask. Uh, do you purposely do that? Do you purposely say I'm going to, go after this particular topic. Like I think about one of my favorite episodes from you and I could say the name wrong because I always get the name mixed up in my head, but it was the demasculation of the black male. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Did you, do you approach that topic and say, I'm specifically want to talk about this or does a topic come to you and you say, oh, well, I can't, I can't run from this. Let me talk about it. How does that process work? Um, that was actually a topic that was on my list. So I have a list of, of things that I want to touch on. So whenever something comes to, come, comes to my mind, I always, you know, shoot it in my notepad. And um, that was one of them because um, that topic is so important because especially I feel like coming from me, a black woman, uh, because uh, in society, it's a lot of man bashing from black women, media, the world against black men. And it's something that I absolutely hate. Um, we all have had experiences in life with people, but I will never write my Black men off, ever. I don't care how many times I've been hurt by a single Black man, I will never write them off. I'll always um, fight for them. I will always support them. I'll always be there for them. So having that conversation and having um, the guest that I had, Tracy, um, he, I wanted someone that had experience. So he's, he's a little older. He's like, probably old enough to be my dad, I think. Um, but yeah, he is actually. Uh, but I want to have someone who had kind of experiences in life. And uh, whenever we would talk, he would always, you know, talk about, you know, the books that he's read that shows, you know, where we're from. And so I, I thought that he would bring a great perspective. But most importantly, I wanted to talk about that subject because it's something that's happening. Um, and we all have a hand in it. Definitely. Um, so you, you build this platform. You say the last year or so has really been growing. What shifted? Um, what shifted within the last year that allowed you to start seeing the fruits of your labor, the fruits of your work? Was it something you did? Was it something, what, what caused the, the exponential growth that you're seeing now? Um, I knew I could not do it. I knew I had to do it. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I, I was at a point um, in 2018 where I was just like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing with this. So I had to take some time to figure that out and um, start to really think about where I wanted Melon and Boulevard to go, but I had to set the foundation. Um, life, my personal life was terrible. I was going through a whole lot and that was maybe one thing that I could hold on to that I had control of to make right, to make okay. Um, so I just kind of ran with it and as I found out, interviewing guests each week, you know, was something that I loved. So I was still doing radio, but um, that's important. You, know, you have a radio background, so you don't come to the podcast space with no experience. You have uh, a transferable skill set that you brought to the podcast world. Well, I started podcasting before radio. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have started podcasting before radio. And so the radio show that I'm on, I did not create. Mm -hmm. And so I'm showing up every week, you know, booking guests and all of that. 
And I'm like, I can't show up for somebody else's stuff and I don't show up for my own. That doesn't right. even make sense. So I was right. like, I absolutely cannot allow Melanie Boulevard not to be great because I'm making sure this one over here is doing good. If I'm going, if I'm not going to do Melanie Boulevard, I'm not going to do this either. Right. So either we're going to make this happen or you're going to sit down. And so, you know, um, that particular year where I turned 32 and, um, you know, being a mom, I'm the type of mom that I'm always last. And so I made a promise to myself that I was going to start taking time out for me without feeling guilty and doing things that I like. So that's when I took my first solo trip from being a mom. Well, I can't even say that. My first solo trip away from my kids without intent to work. Right. But you know, I always got to add some work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I like I said, the work. intent not to work. <laughs> yeah, with the intent. But you brought the work with you just in case. You know. Yeah, I got it's you. Always there. I got you. Um, but I went to the Roots picnic, and so oh, that was, that was like that was in Philly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was like, you know what? This is going to be my birthday present to myself. Is every year on my birthday, I'm going to the Roots picnic. That's my birthday party. If y'all want to come, come on. But you know, this year. Right. But, but anyways, but um, so it started with that and um, it kicked off in Philly and it just felt so good. And shout out to my friend DJ Super because he was right there with me on that first episode. Um, he's from Jersey. But being in Philly, feeling the culture compared to what's what's here um, and kicking off that first episode and being able to talk about an experience that I had. Um, it was great. And it really just helped me push even harder for Melanie Boulevard. Now, the audience may not know, but when you say here, you're, you're talking about Vegas. Yeah, Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because, you, I mean, I don't want people to think you're in the middle of, like, uh, Kansas. Oh, yeah. No, nope. You are <laughs> in Vegas, and yep. you're saying that there was more cultural experiences in Philly. So let's talk about Vegas just for a little bit. Is there a black culture or black community, uh, a strong sense of that in Vegas, in your opinion? No, there are, um, there's people here out here um, trying to build things for black people and create experiences. Um, it, it's hard to explain this to people who have not been taken out of that environment. So if you're used to always seeing Black people around and Black people thriving and all ranges of Black people um, financially, you know, everywhere, um, it, it's kind of hard to explain that feeling of culture. When you go to Philadelphia and I'm at the loose picnic or I'm, I was downtown, you feel that thing, you know, it's a different feeling and you see like we went to go get a cheesesteak, of course. Um, Do you remember where you went? Because they said there's different ones and some have better than others. I had never been. I can't remember. Okay. Um, I can't remember. You got to find out for me. They so were patty corner. They were, okay. There was like two across the street. And so one line was long, so we went to the other. The line was still long. but So they had cheesesteaks back to back. So two different uh, vendors were out there and they were both selling cheesesteaks and they both had lines. Yep, diagonal to each other on the street. Wow. Um, and it was a Friday or Saturday night, 
and it's popping down there. It's something that I, you know, I'm not used to seeing, right? So we're on the second level, big window, eating, eating cheesesteaks. You know, they're riding their four-wheelers up and down the street. It's Black people just hanging out at the, yeah. at the, on the balcony and in the restaurants. And it's just like, it's a feeling that you get. Um, it, and it's just totally different than the feeling that you get in Las Vegas. You know, I, I, last year, I kind of started working with Go Urban, and they do events for, you know, with, that are specifically for Black people. And it's just different. It's, it's different because um, it's not like it happens organically because nobody organized all these people to come downtown to create um, an ambiance. Mm. It's the ambiance. It's the carefree. We're here. We're Black people. Yes, there's other people here, but it was so many Black people out there just having a good time. And um, it's just a completely different mood. Like I tried to explain that to my friend in Jersey. He lives in a suburb, like an all black neighborhood. Um, I think it's like Willowboro, Willowsboro. He's in, I don't know. He's told me so many times, <laughs> but um, you know, we don't have that. We have, you know, the West side of Las Vegas where, you know, it's, you know, maybe low income that people are trying to, you know, pour into to bring more things to, but I, I didn't grow up in a low-income family, you know, low-income neighborhoods like that. I grew up, yeah, we were in a suburb, but, you know, we was there. We, you know, they, my parents worked hard just to really just be there. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the element that I'm missing that out here, if you want to do something Black, you know, you have to go on the west side of Las Vegas, you know, and I, and I don't always want to go to a party all the time to feel like, you know, we're here. And so okay. just being in that ambiance with being on that intersection, eating a cheesesteak in Philadelphia, seeing all the black people there doing all different things, but just being there was everything to me. And it's just a completely different feeling. I'll definitely have to go. Um, I'm hearing I need to go to Philly. I need to go to Detroit. I need to go. I'm hearing I got to go to DC. That's what I'm hearing too. And I haven't been. So we'll have to make those trips. I know yeah. as members of media, I think we're going to have a lot of great opportunities uh, to go to some of these cities alongside um, these events that are going to pop up, hopefully. I'm hoping 2021 will be the the reemergence of everybody going back out and um, experiencing. Um, but since we're not able to go anywhere, we've been having to do a lot of things virtual. Mm -hmm. So you just came out of uh, the virtual conference of how to build an empire that was sponsored by Epic Collective and here at Black Equity Network. You were a moderator for a panel. Tell us a little bit about that experience, how the conversation went, and what are some of your takeaways? Well, first, um, the event was amazing. I have been to lots of webinars, lots of conferences in person and, and online, and um, I've never taken away that much from, you know, from 
an event, you know, it was, it was amazing. So the panel that I moderated was business fundamentals and basically saying, you know, what are some basic business guidelines or practices that we need to have in place for the culture? Um, and it was a really important conversation, I think, because it starts to give you the opportunity to think about your planning, your strategy, and figure out where you want to go. Um, even incorporating your family into your business. We all need to, you know, if you have kids or if you have cousins or whatever, my kids know they're my assistant. If it's not really an option. Right. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm not giving my kids an option to like go ask someone for a job. Yeah. My goal is to be able to pay them to do something that benefits us. Right. And so hopefully soon working hard, I can just say, hey, what business do you want to work in? Because right. you're going to do something, but I'm not going to. I don't want you going to Burger King to beg for an application and hope you get hired and right. for them to tell you you don't have no experience as to why you need the job in the first place. So I feel like it's our responsibility to provide that to our kids. And um, But speaking with educated Black people about their experience in business and what they've done um, is important um, and seeing so many black people who are out there trying to make a difference in the community and willing to help and willing to give the information was I think one of the most important elements of the entire entire event. Are you willing to give the information? There's a lot of people out there that try to hold on and harbor information even when someone asks, you know, Mm -hmm. And so I think it was important that you, that there was that space for us to have the conversation, ask the questions and get the answers. And um, I have a lot of notes and I, you know, I'm going to go back in and listen again because I couldn't be in, you know, all of them, but it was really good. You know, you mentioned, and thank you once again for being a moderator, showing up to the event. Um, to me, it was groundbreaking. I'm biased. So you can take it with a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was a groundbreaking uh, conversation. I just saw it as one long conversation with different people using their voices to lend a hand to the conversation. That's kind of how I, I, I viewed it. Because, you know, you can speak on things that I can't speak on. And I can speak on things that maybe you can't speak on. And that's just, that's the same for every single person who walks in, we all bring our own individual value. But I, I want to touch on something you just said, because I witnessed it yesterday. So at the exact same time that we're having this conference, and now I'm about to get into, about to get into my bag here. <laughs> the exact same time that we're having the conference and all these people are coming in and they're just dropping knowledge and wisdom on us. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking down on my phone and I'm trying to connect with this uh, private equity investor, black guy. And he's actually one of the people who put me on the game of private equity. Like when I was trying to learn about this, like five years ago, I came across his information and I wanted to know so much about, you know, how to acquire and private equity. And I've never been able to fully connect with this person. Can't get him on the podcast. Can't get uh, really access to this person. It's like difficult 
to make a way. But, you know, I'm looking at the exact same time I'm looking at one of our panels uh, was Diversify Your Portfolio. And one of our past guests was Xavier Egan. He's a, uh, he's a business broker. So he's mm-hmm. helping people learn how to acquire businesses. And he's just giving out gem after gem after gem. And I'm like, there's really no need to like beg people, even if they look like you, to you know give you information because anything that person is not willing to give you god the universe however you want to define um you're going to be introduced to the the exact people you need Mm -hmm. to get you that information and i just Mm -hmm. found it very interesting that at the exact same time i'm trying to get access to one person all the information i need is over here anyway yeah it's like it's like a, the nostalgia of wanting to work with this one person because they've branded themselves so well and, you know, they have the, the big name. It's like, you don't need the big name to get the big intel. Mm-hmm. That's what that's I facts. learned. Go ahead. That's facts. Um, I, I agree. I have definitely learned not to get caught up in the image that someone portrays. Um, don't go after the person you have to figure out what you're really looking for. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for? And um, I've reached out to, you know, I've been trying to get a woman from, um, that's like a doula or that knows firsthand about, you know, childbirth for black women. You know, I've been trying to get, get somebody on there for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I've reached out to a couple people and it just, one, one person basically was like, they're too busy or whatever. Okay, fine. But they have a business, you know, I'm reaching out to people that have actual businesses and, right that that's their cause and I really want people to understand that you know podcasting you want to make sure you say yes to those podcasts because that podcast mark my word podcasts are they're they're already been the next big thing but really they're the next big thing because everyone's going to be looking to get on a podcast because we are going to be firsthand and we don't have any type of um I don't know what's the word for like content we can't nobody's sitting there regulating our content there's no fcc you know so so we can speak our truth right right and so i really think that we're in a really great position because we are already established podcasters and we've been here for a little bit that when this wave hits because advertisers are already looking at a bunch of podcasts right now you know Mm-hmm. They're looking to figure out how can we how can we profit from this? Yeah, we're getting um, calls. We're, we're yeah. getting we're getting offers and opportunities. I want to talk. I want to talk about what you're saying. I think we might have stumbled on something here. Mm-hmm. I didn't know we were the, where the conversation was flowing, but it's flowing this way. So let's jump <laughs> in the river. Yeah. Um, black podcast. Now, got to be truthful here. Some black podcasts aren't necessarily uh, my favorite. I'll say that. But for the people out there who are turning down podcasts left and right, especially places like Melanin Boulevard and Black Equity Podcast, I don't know what is going on in your mind. I don't know what you are thinking. (laughs) But that other platform over there that is white owned, they don't love you. Right. 
I know they're pretending to love you. I know they're pretending to care. I know it's cool to have their logo on your Instagram and say, these, these people support me. But I, I wish people could see through the facade because I've seen people turn down your platform, my platform, and other people within our network and then go run over to some other place and feel like, well, they've arrived. Mm-hmm. I will say this, for everybody who turns down this opportunity, we may not be here. Uh, well, we'll be here, but we may not necessarily need you as a conversation in the future. We found someone else who, who can fill that void because whatever you're doing in your business, uh, somebody else is doing the same thing. You have competitors yep. and some of the, your competitors are black. And so if you want to, you know, pretend as if you're the only person who's br- providing this service, at the exact same time you turn us down, there's five others who are saying, I'm ready to be on the podcast. Let's talk about it. Right, right. Why do you think they're turning down opportunities to collaborate with Black podcasts who, like you and I, are enriched in propping up and bringing up Black businesses? Um, it's going to be the same that we experience in doing red carpet, media on the red carpet. Mm. It's, uh, you know, Black actors and actresses have been called out for passing up the Black media for going to E, VH1. These people don't care about you. You know, are they going to tell your story and, and, and put you in the best light? No, they're looking for a story about you. They're looking for something. So um, it's no difference. We're still in, in media. We're just in a different different space. We're not on red right. carpet. We're on the internet. Um, and so black media is so important and now we're seeing how important it needs to be or how important it is because of how our stories get changed Mm. and how we don't how we have not been allowed to tell and be our authentic selves um and it's value you know and just to touch on what you said is those people, and this is something that I got from you from speaking with you um, in the past is I didn't give those second chances. Yes. You have one time to flake. And I will not reach out back out to you. Mm-mm. And um, this is it. yeah, that's it because uh, you've wasted more elements than time. But you know where I got that from though? Cause I want to make sure people understand the context. Hmm. I got that from Maya Angelou. She said, once people show you who they are, believe believe them. So if this is who you were on the ground floor of the foundation of your business, uh, and you're just starting out, or maybe it's been the first couple of years, keep in mind, uh, high percentages of businesses fail within the first 10 years. I come into a conversation already knowing that you have a high percentage of failing because I come from uh, the private equity space and I never really received any help from this guy that is in the private equity space and he's been in it for 25 years. For some reason, black guy, he sees a black platform and has not sat down with me and he doesn't need me. I, and I learned I didn't need him. But to get back to this point, what I learned in private equity is most businesses are going to fail in 10 years. Mm-hmm. So if you deny to have an interview 
And see, my thing is, I'm not necessarily just looking for an interview. Because, see, I'm approaching it as a hybrid situation. I'm approaching it as a collaborative effort. Yeah, well, let's give you a really great interview, but then mm-hmm. let's connect you with our network. Yeah. You know, investors and businesses, but they've already declined the interview, don't even know what's on the other side of the door. Right. The interview is uh, just an appetizer. Mm-hmm. The interview can then be placed in the inboxes of our entire network and say, hey, I just had a dope interview with this uh, business. If you're interested in investing in it, you're, in, you're interested in collaborating or mentoring or whatever, adding value to this particular person, mm-hmm. check them out. And more than likely they will because a lot of the people I'm sending it to, they've been on our, on our platforms. Right. So they've, they've already proven that they value our platform because they've had the interview. Yeah. I think people get to the point where they feel they're too big, right? Mm-hmm. And I never, ever want to get in that space. I always want to stay grounded in every yeah. way because I think it, it is our duty um, to give back when, when, when people reach out, especially our people. Like, why wouldn't I sit down for... Even if you say, I only have 30 minutes, is that okay? Mm-hmm. You know, just just giving that time, what would it hurt? And anytime someone reaches out, you always are going to do the research. Let me go to their social media page. Let me see what they're about. Mm-hmm. And you see they're credible. They're consistent. They've had credible people on their platform. Mm-hmm. They've been able to connect people. And um, it's just a mindset thing in my opinion it's a mindset thing i think it's a blessing i think it ends up being a blessing for us to be turned down by somebody because then it allows us not to waste an hour of our time with someone that they're not looking for a long-term connection anyway they're just looking for a fly by night get an interview and be done they Mm -hmm. just see us as media and so by turning us down it actually works in our favor to weed out the people that we're not going to be working with long-term because you don't want to introduce people to your network that don't even value you. Right. I, I would rather people turn it down, go off on their way than to pretend like they care Then you introduce them to your network and then they treat your network like shit. True. Yeah. That's true. Well, who have been some of the people that have been on your podcast that you would have thought, well, this person may, have, they probably needed to turn me down because, uh, you know, they have already, they're already established, already doing things, but you were surprised that, you know, they were willing to come on, they were willing to have a conversation. Everybody. <laughs> Dope. Dope. Um, because, um, you know, when they do say yes and, and you know, or they say, you know, I've, I've seen your stuff, I love it, blah, blah, blah. It's an honor because that means, okay, I, I've been doing, doing my work. Um, you know, last year, just connecting with like people that are in the film industry, black people in the film industry, and still having that connection with them. Um, the Ebony Obsidian interview, that's the closest I've been to interviewing Tyler Perry and Lena Waithe. You know, those are some people I would love to get on my show. For for people who don't know who she is. Not to talk about what they've been talking about, but to give them a different element. Oh, who, Ebony Obsidian. Who is Ebony? 
she is uh, she's an actress and she was on um, the series BET the sisters by Tyler Perry uh, she was also in Hunters, which is a good show on um, Amazon Prime. I haven't checked it out. You like you like Hunters? I like Hunters, but I like okay. stuff like that. So it's okay. like a it's sort of like action. It's like an action mystery type of yeah. And there's some twists and turns, but um, it's it's a it's a good show. Okay. Um, but yeah, she's an actress. Super sweet. Um, I, I, that's one that I was like, I don't know how they found me, but uh, I'm glad they did <laughs> uh, because that's that kind of things like that boost my confidence not just because she is in film but when people find me and I'm just like I don't know how they found me it makes me feel like okay you're on the right track Mm -hmm. people see value in what you do um to where they're reaching out because for a long time I didn't have to reach out to anybody yeah I didn't have to you know book I didn't have to book guests they reached out and I was scheduled and I was thankful for that because I actually needed that at that time um I needed that and I needed that element of not having to go search I just attracted um but you know um all the business owners that I've had on my show um even uh Tiana Jackson you know staying connected with her tell us who she is who's Tiana I mean, she's been on our, on, on our <laughs> podcast, but she's a black, she owns a black talent agency. Okay. Um, very knowledgeable through education and through experience. Um, but any, everyone that comes on my show that sees value and even when the show is over, they're, they're proud of the show, you know, then it makes me feel like I've done, I've done my job here. Um, yeah. So, yeah. As, as much as I want to go on rants about people who don't want to sit down, the real joy and the real value is the people who are sitting down. Like, okay, y'all don't want to come over here. Great. We got all these people lined up. I mean, the inbox stays pretty full of people who are like, yo, I want to come on. I want to be a part of it. So I think I'm learning to kind of let go of, you know, you know, being upset or feeling slighted, it's really a blessing because the people who really value will, and they'll keep coming back because you've had, you've had Tiana on a couple of times on your podcast. Mm -hmm, Twice. Yeah. How does that feel to know? Not only am I having a conversation with someone that's really dope, but they're willing to come right back and have a conversation within a few weeks or a few months later. It's amazing um, to be able to reach back out and say, hey, let's do a, a check-in episode. Let's let's see what you've been up to. Doing that, you should never not have a guest. You know, you should never be in a drought when it comes to guests because you have a entire Rolodex of people to go through and say, hey, let's check in with you. Come back on the show. And, you know, you don't have to talk about the same things. You can make it topic-based. There's so many ways that you can go with it, but the fact that they're open means they do value you and they were happy with the result that came from it you know the first time definitely so i want to uh have maybe a part two of our conversation that we had on your podcast we were talking about damage control and i've seen a lot of people talking about uh the episode before we do that before we go into part two 
how was part one for you? I know you have more episodes coming out, but at the time of this recording, it's your, it's your last episode that you've released. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any feedback? Have you seen any uh, comments about our damage control episode? People loved it. Um, I think it was just so honest and um, so real and relevant to the times. Uh, and it was what was needed. Let's change the way we view things. Let's switch that, flip that switch and change how we're seeing this. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people get caught up in that emotion. And I think that episode was like, hey, stop. Don't look at this hand, look at this hand, you know, like. Right. So I, just the feedback from it, I was, I was very pleased and happy and thankful that that people liked it, that people enjoyed it, that people, you know, reshared and all of that. So it was great feedback from it. Yeah, I just saw, you know, I woke up today and there was another share about the episode. I'm like, wow, this is almost, you know, a week later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and people are still, you know, picking it up and saying, wow, uh, this is interesting. But we're just getting started because right. let's, let's dive in. Yeah, I don't even know. No. <laughs> right. So part two of damage control. Yeah. Uh, last time we were talking about Netflix, mm-hmm. and if you haven't heard, you can you know pause this episode, head over to Melanin Boulevard podcast, listen to the entire episode, and then come right back and dive right into this part right here. <laughs> so we were talking about Netflix, and we were saying they're sending money. I think I kept saying two hundred and twenty million dollars. I think it was a hundred and twenty million dollars. Uh, that Netflix is doing the same the same thoughts still apply so it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if we change the millions it could have been one dollar and I still would say the same thing Mm -hmm. Netflix has now come out with another press release and they're saying that they're going to send over a hundred million dollars to black banks okay Mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts? Because now we're on the other side of this. So I'm going to let you give your take on what is that? Is that damage control? Is that, um, does that, how does that make you feel that they're now doing that uh, on top of what they did with HBCUs? They're not giving equity. Mm. They're not giving opportunities on their platform. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I say I care about someone, I'm not going to shoot some money over and be like, oh, I hope that's good enough. Or let me, let me just show face. Like, I feel like it's all showing face and explain to us what that does because the black banks were standing before you put in that hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of millionaires that bank with black banks. So my question is, what was the point of that? What were you trying to accomplish? Well, what what was it? And I'm that's my question. What was it? What what are we doing? I came across this interview. Um, I like to really listen to really dope interviews. I came across this interview from Karen Hunter. She has a really great show. Shout out to her. She's on Sirius XM uh, on Urban View. Uh, Karen Hunter. I don't always agree with everything she says, but as we established on Damage Control episode, nobody gets it right 100 percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Karen Hunter sat down with the author of, I, I, I got to pull it up. I'm still going to mispronounce uh, this person's name. 
but it is what it is. Uh, Merce Bordardin. She wrote this book called The Color of Money, uh, Black Banks and the Racial Wealth Gap. And so she did a full episode on Karen Hunter's show. We would love to have Merce on uh, to talk about her book in the future. But for the time being, I'm using uh, Karen Hunter's interview as a reference point. Through the entire interview, she was talking about, when I picked up the book before I even saw the interview, I thought it was going to be about black banks and bank, banking black. And, you know, if we put on all our money in black banks, everything would be wonderful. The whole entire book breaks down that that's a myth. Mm. What she says in the interview and then also within the book is unless you change the actual policies, laws, and uh, the systematic approach to banking, it don't matter what color your bank is. It mm. don't matter it don't matter. It could be white, green, yellow, whatever. There are still like systematic uh, things in, in the system that prevent Black people or Black communities from thriving from any bank. Mm -hmm. The fact that a Black person owns it changes nothing. Now, I, I want to make sure I say this. If you want to blank, uh, bank Black, Go for it. I'm not saying don't do it. What I am saying is a lot of those black banks and I've, I went through an entire like four months of trying to find a black bank uh, that does this. Most of those black banks aren't necessarily giving out loans. They're just they, holding money. Yeah, they're, how do I say this? They're not holding the money. I'll, dis I'll, agree I'll disagree with that point. They don't necessarily hold the money, but they're not necessarily giving out consumer loans. Mm -hmm. They may reinvest that money somewhere else, or they may put it into uh, foreign exchange or uh, put it into some type of interest bearing to make the bank profitable. But even if you look at the banker that came on Apple TV, uh, banks make money by you know, fees. They make money by uh, taking advantage of other people, mm -hmm. no matter what color you are. And so it, it does sound great. And I'm, I have an open door. I know people will listen to this episode. If you are a black bank owner and you want to, you know, come on and dispute what I'm saying and dispute Marseille's book, by all means, let's, you know, but from everything I've seen, throwing money into a bank I don't know what that does. And here's why it confuses me. If you throw money into the bank, and I don't know what banks they were, where does that money then get dis distributed? Mm -hmm. It's the same question with HBCUs that we were talking about. If I throw money into a bank, is that going towards salaries? Is that going towards marketing? Mm -hmm. Is that going towards uh, another bank? Because <laughs> some banks have equity share in other banks. Yeah. So if I slide a hundred and something million dollars into this bank, they could easily say, oh, okay, well, that's going to our uh, stakeholders, <laughs> which yeah. then ends up at JP Morgan. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm just curious on why Netflix keeps choosing places that sound black 
have black titles, but then we can never really know where the money ends up. There's really no auditing. There's really no understanding of how that pathway leads to black empowerment. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. Um, and it's Netflix and everyone else doing the same thing is let's just put some money out there. And like we said last, last week, we don't even know if it really happened. Right. It's just a headline. You mean they've never lied in news before? Right. Oh man. So that amount of money, I feel like they could have done something completely different that would have directly impacted the community that the community that they say they care about. Mm. Weed and Asha to donate to the banks. We're saying from Tiana Jackson's point of view, where's the representation? Okay. Well, here's Netflix's response to you. They then, and I have to find this, they also hired a marketing executive. I'm not sure if you saw that. I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Tell me what you thought about that. And I'll, I'll pull up her name while you're telling me. Is she a decision maker? Mm. That's Netflix, amazing for her. It's amazing. Netflix names, sorry, uh, Netflix names Bozoma St. John as chief marketing officer. Go ahead. You were saying, is she a decision maker? Is she a decision maker? But I'm going to say no. Right. I'm going to say that she, it's her job to push the narrative that Netflix is writing. That is her job. Is she a decision maker? Is she deciding what shows are coming on the platform? How people are getting paid? Is she deciding that? No. Is she, you know, does she have the top, one of the top salaries? No. So that, it, it was a, it was like a filler position. To me, no shade to her. Congratulations. That's a great opportunity. But Netflix, are you putting people of color in positions where they can make it make make changes? No, they're not. I feel like I feel like Netflix is lying to us <laughs> without lying. They're telling their truth and creating their narrative without incorporating the truth inside of the narrative. Mm -hmm. So they're like, hey, we're going to tell a new story. We're going to hire a black marketing executive. This is now the truth, but it's not the truth. The overall truth. To... What happened to their original marketing exec? Yeah, what happened there? You, Did you they hire, fire some, him? hire someone? What happened to that person's livelihood? Or did that person get promoted? Did you make up a new position? But here's my question to you, because I'm going to push back and pretend to be Netflix for a second. Are we really wrong as Netflix for not wanting to give up control of our company and give up decision-making power, black, white, green, or yellow? Why should I give up my, my control of my company just because some things are happening in the black community? Um, no, you're not wrong for feeling how you feel. And it's not happening in the black community, it's happening in America. Mm. Um, and you have the option to 
portray the company that you would like to portray, but don't be fake about it because people are going to actually see, see your intent. I think that you are trying to place tape where a band-aid should be mm. and we don't need it. I and so, go ahead. I think what's scary about this is as this news is coming out about the black bank situation, a lot of black media is eating it up. Oh, they sharing that thing and they saying woohoo and oh my goodness, I can't believe Netflix is, you know, donating to black banks. Yes. And I'm like, y'all really haven't read Marseille's book. Yeah. Did it get you a home loan? Mm. Did it help you there? You know, black people have always had been redlined. We've been so many things rejected. I just watched Fat Girls. Okay. And you know, Monique went into the bank to try to get a business loan for for her uh for her fashion line. Mm-hmm. And the answer was no. They drug her ass out the out the bank. <laughs> and so the security got her. Yep, security okay. got her. Um but this is the experience. This is what we experienced going into a bank asking for money to build a business, a legacy for our family, but we can go out and rack up thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans at 18, 20 years old. Mm. Tell me where that makes sense. So there's a system that's in place that they contributed to. They -hmm. just contributed to the system that continued to oppress us at the end of the day. They didn't change any of the laws against discriminating against Black people and Black families. They didn't take away, you know, they want to talk about realtors not saying master bedroom. Listen, we don't, guess what? Guess what? That is so minute to the cause. Right. Take away redlining. Take that away. Take away gentrification. Figure that out. You know, so Netflix did not contribute to our cause. They contributed to the system. Do they have a responsibility to contribute to anything? Can't they just be a company that is just a company and doesn't have to answer to any political uh, pressure to anything? If they want, but they can't, for every reaction, there isn't, for every action, there's a reaction. Yeah. If you choose not to react, there's a reaction. If you choose to react, there's an action, a reaction. So um, yes and no. Do they owe it to us? Black people are consumers. And I can guarantee that we are pretty high on their consumer list um, of you know, subscribers, they don't want to lose that money. So they're trying to figure out what can we do to make it seem like we care so that Black Twitter don't get us, you know. Um, But Black Twitter doesn't analyze the entire picture either. Black Twitter is emotional. They're going off of emotions. Um, So they don't owe it to us. But if they want to debunk their white supremacy, they feel like they have to do something. And they're privileged. They feel like they have to do something to save face, damage control, PR, whatever. So I'm also, I was, I was looking at another headline that came out. There's two things that happened back to back. Beyonce talked about putting out a new movie. And it's called Black is King or something along those lines. And then at the same time, and it's all going to make sense in a second, 
at the same time, uh, Jadakiss and Fabulous were having a battle um, for verses, and uh, it could be seen on IGTV. I'm sorry, on IG Live. And it could also be seen on Apple Music and Apple TV. Beyonce puts out her content and it's on, uh, it says it's going to be later in July, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be on, I believe it said Apple TV, if I'm not mistaken. And if I'm wrong, someone can fact check me. But all I do know is the, f- the first thing that came on my mind for both of those things that were happening. Why is title? If title is black owned, which many people argue that it may not be fully as black owned as we thought it was, we don't fully know. But let's keep going with the premise that it is black owned. Why is title not getting the Jada Kiss and Fabulous versus? Why is title not getting? If any, maybe I might not have an argument with the Jada Kiss and Fabulous. You got to go where the money is, right? But if title is owned by Jay Z, and Jay Z is married to Beyonce, I can't tell nobody to do what they're in their marriages. And I, I do want to touch on uh, marriages in a moment too, because there's some news coming out and circulating and trending number one right now. And mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta touch on that. But if Jay Z and Beyonce are married, and I'm not saying that means any obligation to Beyonce, she has to run her empire the way she wants to run her empire. No man should tell her how to run her empire. Gotcha. But why would her movie not come out on title? Do you see any, any by the, you said any action leads to reaction. Do you see the lack of action towards title? Is there a story there that we're not connecting? Is there something I'm missing? It definitely has to be something you're missing because I've noticed like, you don't really hear about title too much anymore. Mm. Or maybe I might be out of touch. I don't know. I haven't heard about title too much. Um, I want to say Jay-Z sold a portion. I, I think he still owns, you know, a portion of it, a percentage. But um, Jay-Z owns, I think he sold some of that. So I don't mm. know how that, that speaks to decision-making and control of the company. Um, cause you know, when Lemonade came out, Lemonade was exclusively on title. Right. That, that was a look for them Yeah. because what did we do? Canceled Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> we canceled Spotify right away. Immediately. And it wasn't just right. for Beyonce. It was just like, oh, okay, this is the move. Let's go to title. Yeah. I had title before, but there were like some, I, I kept getting like kicked out. There were like some technical issues with like the playlist. So, you know, I had it and then I unsubscribed, but when Lemonade, showed up I was like you know what right. I guess I'm back to title so I was there I, I have both Spotify and Apple or not sorry I have title and um Apple Music right now mm-hmm. so I, I do subscribe to title um but I think there is a story there's something going on that we don't see because there used to be a hype behind it and even having it I have not even gotten any like alerts there's there used to be exclusive um concerts Ka- Kanye West was dropping Mm-hmm. When his video dropped, the one with all the naked people, mm-hmm. I think it dropped on title first. Right. You know, so it's not even getting that first, you know, the, that, that exclusiveness. It's not getting that anymore. And so now 
that I feel like it's losing its edge or it has lost its edge. And why? Why has it lost its edge? You know, did this happen after the, the a percentage of the company was sold? And so Jay Z's like, look, I'm making my residuals and I have ownership of the company and they can run it over here. But it took away that element that I liked in Title. And so for me, Title and Apple Music are the same. Apple Music, you know, I just go in there and make my little playlist and keep it pushing. But with Title, I, and I think when I had Title, I was actually working like a job. And uh, when exclusive concerts was on, <laughs> I was definitely hearing my headset, but looking at my phone like, okay. Right. You know, so something happened. I think, I want, I want you to pay attention to this. I think Apple Music is going to end up being the go-to spot. Right now, Apple Music is nothing. I mean, it's it's dope and it has music there. But I feel like they're going to be throwing a lot of money into Apple Music. And also, um, not Apple Music, I'm sorry, Amazon. If I've been saying Apple this whole time, I meant Amazon the whole time. Mm. I believe Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. So everybody. Oh, yeah. That, and that changes things. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon music is going to be the place that everyone goes. Here's why I believe that. I believe it's cheaper than, than most places because you get Amazon music if you're like an Amazon Prime person. I also believe that Amazon video, I believe Amazon uh, video, Amazon music, and and I, I don't know if they're going to have another thing with Amazon podcast or if Amazon music will be where the podcasts are. I believe there's going to be a lot of real estate over there and a lot of money exchanging hands. So I would pay close attention to Amazon. And I don't think Amazon's going to do it for no, oh, we're with black people type thing. I think they just need the dopest content possible. And where else would you go then to black podcasts? and exclusives with black music artists that's mm -hmm. where you would go i would i, I prefer that over what netflix is doing mm -hmm. i don't it, need the the nostalgia of it all pay up and then shut up yeah you don't even have to put out press releases go ahead right i think amazon is is a is a company to watch period mm. they it's you know it it started back when they were looking to acquire like whole foods Mm -hmm. They changed game. They deliver groceries. Prior to this pandemic, mind you, right? They have an edge, and they are they are ahead in in a lot of ways. They're definitely ahead. Um, they sell everything but own nothing. Mm. And um, but they are a little problematic, and I think they're fixing that problem. <laughs> You know, they, um, a lot of people complain about working for Amazon. Right. And so I, Amazon's like, well, I think you sent, you sent me the article about the, the robots or, and then a few years ago, they were looking at delivering packages by drone. Right. Yeah. So I they're like, that. oh, you guys want to complain? Don't worry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't we'll you get fret. rid of you. Don't you fret. You ain't got to deliver nothing. Right. Don't deliver nothing. We got it. I will say, yeah, I will say you got to be very careful. If if you have a worker's mentality and you don't plan on being your own boss and having equity in anything, 
you got to be very careful about biting that hand that's feeding you. And because Amazon will cut you off <laughs> real quick. Right. Um, as much as there, there is a lot of problems there, I respect the business side yes. of Amazon. And I don't need them to pretend to be our friend and say that we're with black people. I don't, I personally don't need that. Mm-hmm. I, what I need is for people to have really good business practices. And it just so happens that the money gravitates towards where the value is. If that is true, then the money will always gravitate towards black culture. Uh, but I don't just want money. I also want equity in the project. So if, if I'm you know, coming on board, I want to get residuals. And I believe Amazon can do that because they're not hurting for money. They can say, you know, not only we're going to pay for this project, but we're also going to give you a piece of it for the next 25 years or however long it is to really enti- entice people because they need the content. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to touch on this too. Uh, BET Awards. Um, did you have an opportunity to watch them? I didn't. I don't know okay. why I was uninterested this year. Um, you, and you know what? I'm not a big BET award show person. I don't blame you. I think mm-hmm. this is probably their best award show in a long time. Uh, it's a lot of green screen, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's better this way than it is with an audience. And that says something. <laughs> that says something. I mean, yeah, I does. did see some highlights. I did see some highlights. And yesterday, um, my co-host had uh, kind of gave like an overview of, of the highlights. Things I have seen, I loved it because it shows the creativity of these individuals, mm, right? Yeah. What are we going to do? How did you plan? Did you, did you come up with a plan to, on how you're going to show yourself in the best light at your performance. You know, the baby I heard had a really great performance. Um, Meg Thee Stallion, you know, paid homage to California Love with her video. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people just showed up and were like, hey, I'm here and uh, let me just sing a little something for y'all. <laughs> right, right. Um, but it shows the creativity and dedication and, and, and um, how they value themselves personally from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I know less is more, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I heard Amanda Seals did great. She did it right from her home. Right. Amanda Seals. Hmm. I'm. I don't know how to say that. Amanda Seals. I will speak on Amanda Seals. Okay, I'm gonna let you gather your thought on yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> make sure you say exactly what you want to say. Amanda Seals was not allowed into that uh, Oscar party a couple of years back or the uh, Grammy party or whatever. There was a party a year or so ago, and I think it was hosted by something to do with Issa Rae. Um, and they wouldn't let her into the party. She got kicked out and the people were laughing at her. And I, I said that day on Twitter, I said, "Ooh, they're going to regret coming from Amanda Seals. Here's why. Amanda Seals is an OG in this game, whether you mm. like her or not. Oh, she is. She's been around since my brother and me. Yep. Uh, she was a, uh, the reporter. She, well, she was a sister, right? No, she wasn't the sister. She was the, she was like the girl, she had like a microphone and she would like report stuff. Um, she wasn't the sister. You're right. You're right. Yeah. She was a reporter. You're right. Um, so Amanda Seals been here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And whenever I see longevity, whether I like them or not, or whether I agree with them or not, you know, 
we love Issa Rae, but she knew. She, you know, like, yeah. she does great work, and she does. But Amanda Seals is an OG, and yeah. she has OG friends. And so, as soon as I saw like they're not letting her into parties, and they're not, you know, supporting her, I'm like, y'all are gonna regret the day that y'all turned y'all ass on Amanda Seals, because mm-hmm. I think God made her not necessarily the most likable. So then, uh, when enemies show up, she can actually use them as her footstool. So now that she's a host of these BET Awards, ain't nobody got nothing to say because she's deciding how this whole thing is playing out. God has lifted and elevated her right in front of all of her enemies and mom is the word. So mm-hmm. I would be very careful going after Amanda Stills, whether you like her or not, leave the girl alone, let her into the party. Why, why, yeah. would, you, why would you be petty? When just because you've got a moment of shine right now, uh, I think it was Issa Rae, Issa Rae's publicist that didn't let her into the party. Don't that's don't get why you, though because she's on insecure. I I don't know. We never really got a full story. There's a full hour long uh, monologue where Amanda Seals breaks down what happened, but she doesn't really know why this happened. So there must have been some type of back and forth between two camps that's different that's real different i didn't know that um yeah amanda stills has been around for a long time sometimes i feel like amanda stills be doing too much i agree you know but and she knows that she knows she's yeah. doing damn too much sometimes her podcast is entertaining it's funny um she sometimes she'd be doing too much. Sometimes I'd be like, you got to calm down you sometimes. Calm down. <laughs> you know, you gotta calm down, but that's just her, you know. Yep. Um and she's been able to talk her shit because she can. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I didn't I didn't know that she wasn't allowed anything. Um yeah. now I'm gonna have to look that up because that that that's different. She, she's an she is an actress on the on her show. So okay, I don't know. Yeah, very. It was very interesting when I saw it, and I, I knew that day that there was going to be a lot of shifting going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the BET Awards proves that. Not only was she on the BET Awards, but she was also on the Real. So because yeah. when I yeah. say someone's an OG, they can pull strings behind the scenes and get on the Real for six months. They can then be on BET right in your face. And then, you know, whatever her next move is. So now that you're HBO like, special. there you go. So it's like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, you're not going to let me in the party. Watch this. Yeah. So you got to be careful. So before we go, I, I want to touch on this because it's trending right now at the time that we're, we're talking. I, I want to kind of touch on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think, I don't think we're really watching the real story, to be honest with you. Right now, it is trending about Will Smith and Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith. And August Alcina sat down for an interview and was talking about, um, he basically, in my opinion, professes love for Jada Pinkett Smith and talked about uh, giving his all to her and having permission uh, from Will Smith to be with her. And I'm not here to this is not one of those podcasts where we're, you know, breaking down love relationships and um, all that. But I do think this is a relevant topic because I think it gets into the misconceptions of what love is, 
mm. what uh, businesses, what uh, relationships are. When you saw this headline and when you saw this kind of uh, percolate, uh, percolating for the last uh, 12 to 24 hours, what were your initial thoughts? And then I'll give you mine. Uh, my initial thought was, didn't we already know that they're in an open relationship? It was so, rumored. It was rumored. Oh, yeah. So why is this a surprise? And then um, my question is, I guess I've seen a, why? Why are you, why, why now? Like, why are you having this conversation? Did this just recently happen? Or I don't know. I have an issue with people sharing certain details of their lives just openly and and I don't know. It's it came at a weird time. Well um I think there's a reason for that. I don't think this has anything to do with Will Smith, Jada Pinkett, or August Alcina. Okay. This is this is a Angela Yee conversation that no one's talking about. How does how does Angela Yee, one of the most well-known people in the entire black media, okay? How does she sit down with someone and no one mentions her name on one tweet ever? No one is mentioning Angela Yee. No one is saying anything about Angela Yee. They're talking about the August Alcina interview. <laughs> when Charlamagne sits down with someone, it's the Charlamagne interview that just happened to have Gucci Man, Or it's the Charlamagne interview that uh, happens to have someone else. Angela Yee sat down with an interview with August Alcina, made this conversation pop out of thin air, magically removed herself from it. I haven't listened to the Breakfast Club today yet, so I'll, I'll dive into... Uh, the fallout later. This is a conversation about Angela Yee trying to position herself for after the Breakfast Club. She's making a play for showing, hey, I'm vital too. You said it on damage control, and that's why I'm bringing this up. You said on damage control, and if you haven't listened, go listen to the episode. <laughs> you said that she's trying to keep up with Charlemagne. So what you said. Mm-hmm. If that's true, I believe what you're saying. And I think that Angela Yee is trying to prove over these next six months, because their contract is up at the end of the year, that she can hold down an interview and make shit pop. Well, she, I mean, she's, she's proved it before, you know, if you remember the interview with Tank, that exactly. whole interview exactly. with Tank. Um, and listening to her maybe a few years ago she wasn't as like like let me get these let me hit let me hit them let me let me pull mm-hmm. something recently in the last maybe three years she has been finding ways to position herself in getting juicy shit she she getting juicy and um it's funny that you said that because I didn't um, I didn't know that it was her interview until I actually looked looked it up and I was like oh this is Angela Yee's interview I didn't I didn't realize it because nobody was talking about Angela Yee interview with August Alcina no yeah it's it's magical how she does it she did it with Tank she did it with August Alcina and when I say she did it I want to make sure I clarify she had the interview with mm-hmm. Tank, and she had the interview with uh, August Halsina. I want to make sure I say that correctly. 
Now, my question is, do you think it's because of the way that she positions her questions, how she maybe leads them into this confession stage? Like, Angela Yee, I'll be honest with you. Ooh, I I did not think I was going to have to say this. Angela Yee is a better interviewer than Charlemagne. Like, pound for pound interviewer. I'm not talking Mm. about sound bites. I'm not talking about uh, laughable moments. I'm talking about just an interview. Asking a question and getting the most provocative answer out there. Out of those three people, Angelie is the best interviewer out of the three. That is mm-hmm. her strength, especially if she's talking about relationships and talking about uh, vulnerability and the softer side of somebody. Angelie is the person you want. As much as sometimes she may get on people's nerves, she, she there's a reason why she's on a breakfast club for 10 years. Mm-hmm. She's she was, you know, in radio for 10 years prior to that. She has, you know, connections with uh working uh, in hip hop and working with Wu-Tang Clan. When I said respect the OGs, Angela E is now an OG. Mm. She can pull whatever she wants to pull. You can't really turn down an interview with her. And if you do, you'll 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 regret the day. And she has to survive, you know, going into 2021 and beyond. She has to position herself to go to another level. And this is one way to do it. You bring up a topic that you know everybody's waiting on. Although it's old, it's never really been confirmed. It's kind of been danced around. Yeah. So I think what it leads to, because everybody's like, well, man, what about that J. Cole song where he's like, you know, I want a relationship like Will and Jade or whatever he says. I think this idea of monogamous relationships and people being scared to talk about a poly world, that needs to be talked about. Mm. Because I see a lot of I see a lot of women, but I'm sure it can probably be both sides where they're like, I, I just want someone who will only love me and uh, I'm his world. I'm his center. He has no one else. And I'm not saying that's a wrong way to think, but I do think we have to be open enough to say, hey, let me let me approach this situation to see what the person that I fall in love with or uh, stand in love with what would what what do they want cuz you might you might fall in love or stand in love with someone who wants to be with multiple people mm. and are you okay with that and i think what will and jada are saying cuz i don't think i don't think jada is the only person in that relationship who was doing other stuff i have suspected for quite some time that will smith and Liza Cozy, I think her name is, have been together. I have no idea. I'm not here to gossip. I'm just, just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can pull. I can pull up who I'm talking about if you need me to. But because they've been on, a, Will Smith and her have been in a lot of videos together. Mm-hmm. And it just like they go on vacation together. Like, come on now. I'm not dumb. Like, hmm. if you're going on boat parties together. And you're, you know, seeing, going off and seeing the world together. Uh, it, it ventures to say that you probably have some type of deeper connection, even if it's just friendship. Right. So I'm saying all this to say, I think this opens up the conversation of, of uh, 
maybe redefining what relationships look like instead of having uh, the same old, uh, you know, one person to one person type of relationship. So that's Eliza. Yeah, I know who she is. Who she? They've been. I haven't even paid attention. I I, haven't, I didn't even know that they were rocking like that. I I don't think they've ever been like hugging or kissing or anything like that in public, but they've been. It was a it was a stretch where for like six months, every time I looked up, they were doing videos together, um, just funny videos, and the chemistry was obviously there. And it was just weird out of nowhere that these two were uh, always together, it seemed like. Mm. And so when Will Smith is giving permission for somebody mm-hmm. else to go do something, it's because he got something else going on. If you, if you give him permission, that means don't, don't worry about a play. I got about four or five things going on myself. You know what I'm saying? That's the conversation that I think is happening. <laughs> but not exactly. I mean, the I think that uh, that might have been their agreement anyway, because uh, Jada said on, on one of their Red Table Talk mm-hmm. episodes that, um, in so many words, look, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. You might be over here with this somebody, I might be over here with this somebody, but we're going to be in this together. Right. Period. Yeah. Like, you know who you're committed to. Yeah. You know who your home base is. Right. And you got to find out what works for you because monogamy doesn't work for everybody. Right. And everybody's not built and have the mindset to be able to handle a poly relationship either. Mm-hmm. So you have to be okay with doing what works for you. Me personally, I'd rather someone be upfront and honest and say, how can we make this work? Like I want to be committed to you or whatever the case may be. Because at the end of the day, um, you wanting that commitment, you wanting that one person is all go, is all ego driven. Yeah, it's about it self. Is. It's about self. And control and, you know, trying to stop somebody else from going. It's like uh, sometimes it feels like trying to imprison somebody else uh, because you're of your own insecurities. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's men out there that are very possessive. You mind. And women. Yeah, of course. Okay. You know, <laughs> on both, definitely on both sides, okay. you know, um, your mind and only mine, like, can't nobody have you. And, I, you know, right. if, if, if I can't have you, nobody can have you. And that's where you get those issues where, you know, now people want to kill people um, and it can get dangerous. But let's be honest with ourselves. Can we be honest with ourselves first? Would you be able to deal with knowing that the person that you love can also love someone else? Are you okay with that? Right. Can you handle that? And um, I think that whatever Will and Jada have works. Works for them. Why do you think so many people, I know the obvious answer is celebrity, but why do you think so many people care about what's going on with them? Why is it trending number one? Why is it the most talked about thing right now? I know there's not a lot going on, so maybe that, you know, it's part of it. But why do you think it matters so much? I think that they've always kind of been that that topic that people it's it's a mystery 
they've kept their like personal life very secret right very private and you know a little something slipped out like they might be an open relationship or you know people talk it's a mm-hmm. community hollywood is a community well, um once you, once you have an open relationship then people know that cause if let's say you and i were together and we decide to be each other's home base and other people come along and, and you know decide that they want to be with you or want to be with me well then those people even if it's a small amount it could be five people total three for me two for you or however let's say six three for you three for me that are outside of what we what we've built those three people are going to talk or those six people are going to talk mm-hmm. and they're going to say well you know they dope you know they they you know they open though but they dope <laughs> i love them and yeah. so it may not be a lot of people, but whoever they've opened it up to now opens it up to everyone. It just, it may not be widely known. I mean, it is now, but people are going to talk and they're mostly going to talk because it's not the norm, but I think it should be. Um, and that's, that's what I was going to say. The name, another black couple out there that are living that life, at the, especially at the status that they are and able to keep it private and be able to keep their family together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not anyone out there really doing it. You know, they've not denied it, but they also have not confirmed it. Well, it's weird that you say that because I want to bring this up. When everybody gets a chance, head over to the interview on The Breakfast Club where Will Smith and Martin Lawrence show up on the Breakfast Club to promote the latest Bad Boys. Mm-hmm. And Charlemagne kind of dips his toe on relationships just a little bit. And Will says, as long as you're respectful of what you ask, like he kind of gives them that look. Like, don't ask anything off the wall. And I kind of knew he was talking about August Alcina or something along something along those lines. I knew that's what he was referring to. So mm-hmm. Charlemagne left it alone. Keep in mind, right across the table is who? Angela. And who did the interview with August? <laughs> Angela. So she found her back way in to, to having the, the conversation since Will wasn't going to be open about it. And so now this is kind of getting gone. It's no longer in their control. Uh, they could have handled it. If they came out and, and said it themselves, they could have, you know, kind of control the narrative. But with this, it's going to be out there now. And I, I'm interested in seeing how, how it plays out. Jada got that young boy in love. Yeah. Sounds like yeah, he was smitten by Jada. And she's like, you know where I live. This right. is my home. Will is my home. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think Will got some young, I, I want to be careful what I say. Uh, younger women not girls but i think he has younger women smitten too and i'm not necessarily mad at it i know we get caught up on age i know we get caught up on you know relationships and you know because even like the headline that came out today was just so disgusting to me there was a headline on twitter that says august alcina admits to uh participating and Jada Pinkett's affair. It's like, 
But if it's an open relationship, but it's not an affair unless a boundary is crossed. But that's what I'm saying. Oh, here it is. Okay. It says this is some UK uh, headline. Will Smith gave love rival. Come on now. A this love is what I'm rival. Hold on, hold on. Say- <laughs> Let me give the full thing before we go. Will Smith gave love rival his blessing to have a affair with wife Jada Pinkett. His love rival. So now they're turning like these two against each other because they gotta make it's just no it's a slow news cycle right now. So they have to make this thing clickable and so- <laughs> sell advertising. Go ahead. So their words are contradicting. Ask for permission to participate in affair. An affair, yeah. yeah, that's not the same thing. Yeah, I um. But affair, you know, affair is clickbait. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I think that um, we definitely need to be open to. Um, have space to define relationships that work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, um, I'm not saying that I am against reform monogamy, monogamy or against reform poly life. Uh, why won't you say? You keeping it keeping it private? Yeah, you know, like Will and Jada. Okay, do you? <laughs> but I will say what I am for is honesty and boundaries. Gotcha. Um. You cannot expect someone to just want you and you're it and that's it. And what I have an issue with is making it one-sided. Mm. You know, um, men can have multiple wives and women, but the women are there to serve. Okay. That's the issue for me personally. Oh, I, I, I feel like we have to have a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, so that's the issue for me personally. But I think that giving each other permission to be human and um, giving the relationship space to define itself for what works for you guys safely, because I'm all for being safe um, physically and spiritually. And so when I say, I'm not saying that um, I'm not okay with like my spouse going off and just being with whoever. I still expect them to make mindful, mindful decisions. Yeah, you know, I agree. keep your body safe, keep your spirit safe. You know, be careful with who you share your yourself with. And me personally, I think that's what Will and Jada do because I don't feel like they're just spreading themselves all out. You know what I mean? Right, right. Because people are in love, <laughs> so they're making these decisions wisely. And they're not just approaching it as, oh, let's just let's just roll it up and then I'm out. You need an Uber? Yes, no? Okay. I think that it's it's um something more spiritual, something more it's a connection. It's not just sex, right? right. So like it's a it's something with a connection. Definitely. I thank you so much for your first appearance on Black Equity Podcast, Race to the Gym. Tell us how we can connect with you, how we can listen to your podcast, uh, and uh, continue uh, following you on your journey. Oh, well, thanks for having me. This was fun. And uh, you can follow me at Rach the Gem, D-A, Gem, G-E-M, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And uh, you can follow Melanin Boulevard. Uh, A lot of times Melanin Boulevard is abbreviated, B-L-B-D. Follow 
Melanie Boulevard on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen everywhere. I just found out I'm I'm on Pandora. I didn't know I was on there for months. I was on there months ago. I just found I was like, oh, look at me. Um, but I'm everywhere. So Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Google Play, everywhere. Thank you so much. We'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you. We are truly grateful for today's guest. If you are interested in becoming an approved Black Equity Strategic Partner with this company or one in the past, simply send us an interest inquiry to the following email, djm at djmotri.com. Once again, djm at djmotri.com. Let us know your name, your company, your services, and which guest you are interested in partnering with. As an approved partner, you will have exclusive access to our network and have first opportunity at future partnerships as well. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to join us on the next episode of the Black Equity Podcast.